Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com. That's K-O hyphen fi.com forward slash alone or you can go to alone with invisible people.com forward slash support us to find out more thank you hi i'm rebecca gallardo the host of alone in a room with invisible people i am here today with author and teacher holly lyle and today's topic is how to world build in short stories and flash fiction so yeah we we um very excited to, to do this one. But before we get into today's topic, let's do what we do most of the time and talk about our week. So, Holly, how was your week? Oh, I had such a good week. Um, I went in, I sat down, I worked on fiction every single day. I hit my marks every single day. And I woke up yesterday morning with this scene in my head that I knew I absolutely had to write. And I wrote it yesterday and I laughed my ass off the whole time I was writing it. (laughs) And then I made myself cry right at the end because I suddenly realized what what the funny was behind and all of a sudden it became this heartbreaking thing and I was sitting there and had tears running down my cheek. I am really glad people cannot watch me write because they would think I was crazy. (laughs) Well, other writers wouldn't, but I think that that is a a pretty normal thing because you also sit there and like you can talk to yourself or always, you know, yeah. And there's just so many things, the right, the expressions you make, or like when you start to move to try to figure out positions and stuff, I mean, there's so many crazy things that writers do when they're writing that, yep. you know, we'd be committed if oh, somebody had a camera on us. Oh yeah. It's such an awesome job though. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So I'm really glad that you got to write fiction every single day and that you did write fiction every single day. That's really awesome. Yep. After we're done with this, I'm going to write more fiction today. Yeah. <laughs> Today, um, or this week from for me, I got my bug hunt notes back on Tuesday, and I'm already through them. Um, wow. That is not, yeah, that is not saying there weren't a lot. There were a ton. Um, Melanie, Barbara, Mark all did amazing. Uh, they each had, like, kind of their own thing that they were covering. And I had a few drop out, uh, but it's... A, a little bit too late for me to replace them at this well, yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've printed off, and this is not usually something that, you know, I've done with the whole thing in the past, but I've printed off the entire manuscript again after going through and double checking the it's versus it's and all of this other stuff. Um, and I am going to go through one more time and try page by page to look for uh, a couple of things. I've got like six or seven bulleted you know things tasks that I have to look for for each page that is going to be a pain in the ass it's 568 pages um, in manuscript form Mm -hmm. and I am very very happy with myself for getting through all of the bug hunter notes that you know that's a big crawl 
Yeah. 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 The 15th uh, was when I started, like, midday. And then I I finished it up last night. Like, the very, the last of the Bug Hunter <laughs> things. And, yeah, I really kicked ass on it. But I did nothing but that, too. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and laundry. And laundry. <laughs> well, go laundry, because, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I should be able to hit my deadline, hopefully, as long as I don't find any gigantic things I have to fix in the manuscript. Because as much as hitting a deadline, finally, for the first time in my freaking life, <laughs> and that, that's not true, but it's close. Um, even though that's important, it's more important to make sure that the book is whole first, because I want people to get my absolute best work that possibly can. Um so yeah, and then last night I ended up having to write the flash fiction piece for today because the one that I wanted to read was another ZZ one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think people will remember if they've been listening long enough. It's the ZZ one with the cigarettes and how they're they're standing there watching the other little uh, gremlins like crossing the street the other Katazi and they're all in ninja wear and while these two just stand there mm-hmm. in the in the street light the other ones are like <laughs> trying super hard to stay hidden and stuff the yeah that one definitely needs to be longer it's not it's it, it's like when we talk about sometimes the ideas are just bigger than what you thought they were going to be yeah yeah it's it, there is a specific skill to creating small ideas <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes your ideas are not flash fiction sized. Sometimes mm-hmm. your ideas are not novel sized. It's, it's, oh, yeah. A real uh, art and craft <laughs> yeah. to, to build it up or to scale it down. Truly. Um, I, I had made a post on Instagram about bug hunters and how bug hunters can save a good book. And, um, I know that the idea is that, you know, if it's a good book, you don't, it doesn't need saving, but that's definitely not true. Um, I'm not going to go into the entire post or anything. If you guys want to see it, it's still on my Instagram page. Uh, it has, it's the picture with the three different, uh, pieces of paper together where it's from three different bug hunters. The, just, I wanted to tell you guys how important it is to have bug hunters more than one. Because especially in a book the size of mine, and mine isn't that big, it's, you know, 110,000 words, it's important to have bug hunters, and again, more than one, because one person cannot possibly catch everything. Um, Melanie is one of my bug hunters, and she kept saying, I know I missed a lot, I know I missed a lot, and Mark was saying the same thing, and (laughs) here's the thing, like, this is the reason why you get more than one. This is the reason why ideally you'll get as many as you can and still be able to handle the, yeah. I would recommend no more than five. Yeah. Because then you're overwhelmed. I did, what did I do? Six or seven for Leaving Wanda Lucia. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of repeats and some of the bug hunters were not, they did not do the bug, the bug hunt the way they should have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I ended up with probably four or five or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was the right amount for me. 
Um, if you have larger books, I could see getting maybe some more. But but the, mm -hmm. the real point here is that you don't want to try to put all of that on somebody. And also that you need help. You know, it's... Oh, yeah. Yes, people <laughs> write books alone, but they also don't write books alone. They, you know, the, the world influences you with the ideas. And then somebody has to help you find things that you are not going to be able to see. Whether your strength is uh, story or character or whatever. You could have plot holes or you could have just bad grammar. You could have bad words in there. You, you When you're mm -hmm. writing in flow, especially, you're, we've talked about this and your brain does not know the the right spelling oh god no that that your muse is a lousy speller because that's not the part of you that spells that's the part of you that creates yes yeah yes and <laughs> and i put some examples in the post of of my own you know errors and it it's it, bug hunters usually they're friends um or co or other writers that will work for free um as a favor or as a trade, which is what mm -hmm. we always, you know, suggest that you do is that you guys trade work and you bug hunt for each other. Yeah. Um, and it is really, really important that you trust them and they trust you and you follow the system because you want to be encouraging and you want to help. But you, you cannot put out a book that has not been read over by at least two or three people with an eye to catching all of the errors and everything and then expect it to be perfect. Right. I just, I don't want anybody to get bad reviews because, you know, then you see the, the reviews are get an editor or this really could have benefited from some real serious editing, you know? And, yeah. and people are, you know, a little, people you know, tend to give one star reviews far more often than they give the five star reviews. If they like right. something, they just liked it and they move on to the next thing. But if they paid money for something that ha is riddled with errors, they're going to be oh, angry. Yeah. So um, a good book does need saving. <laughs> a good story mm -hmm. does need help. And maybe it's just grammar. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> you need you need to have somebody help you out. And that's that's just what I wanted to say was I just and that if you love your book if you have put countless infinite hours into your story do this for your story get somebody in there to to help you figure out anything that's still wrong because you want to put that book up in the best possible shape it can be um okay so let's get into today's topic which is world building for short stories and flash fiction and again this is this is while this is something we are doing in an effort to help folks with their halloween flash fiction stories this is also just good general information tips advice that sort of thing in putting world building into your shorter stories yes the thing that the concept that i want to get with here is that while when you are doing a novel you are doing if even even in a novel that is set in real time right now, this place, uh, your town, you know it like the back of your hand, you are still going to be doing a lot of world building, understanding um, what matters about the place that you are writing about and showing specifically those things. When you have 
500 to maybe 2,000 words, um, you know, short stories and flash fiction, you don't have a lot of room for world building. You don't, and you don't want to sit down and overbuild, you know, make your, draw your map or make your Minecraft map or, or build out um, cultures and languages and uh, then draw in all of the different houses and all of, because you don't have enough room for that in 500 words. You have an idea that you are going to just get across these tiny little things uh, that, that have to be strong enough when you build them to give a feel for a whole world in just a few words. And those, so, so again, uh, with flash fiction and with short stories, every single word has to matter. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today is going through a couple of short, uh, uh, flash fiction stories and then taking them apart and showing you the words that reveal the worlds without um, going overboard, without having done huge world building, but that still bring across what it is that's going on in this world and how it works in just very, very small spaces. Um, yeah, and since mine is a rough draft, I was thinking that since yours are finished, we can explain, like, you can go through and explain yours. Mm -hmm. But with mine, we can kind of, because it's a rough draft, we can kind of dissect it, tear it apart, and figure out, you know, where I went wrong, where I went, you know, really well with it, um, and how I can fix it. I figured maybe that would be helpful for the listeners. I don't know. I think that's an awesome idea. With that, let me go ahead and I'm going to go back into um, the short story collection that I did and, well, the flash fiction collection that I did. And I'm going to read this time a story called Hand Me Downs. And again, remember that when you have only 500 words, not including the title, even the title is essential to the story. So um, with that said, the title again is Hand Me Downs. <clears throat> and here we go. The turd, who's nine, gave me crap about my nightlight on his way to bed. Again. I, retaliating, mocked him for going to bed at nine. I stay up until ten. He, re-retaliating, sneaked into my bedroom after I was asleep and turned out the nightlight. Creaking woke me. Light, bad light, brought me to my feet on top of my bed, set my back against the wall, stood my hair on end. The light glowed green, and it came from inside my closet, leaking across the floor toward my bed-like toxic waste. Six years. I'd been the turd's age last time this happened, and young enough to go screaming down the hall about monsters in my closet, for which my big brother, in his first nice act toward me ever, gave me his nightlight the next day. Six years. I'd never forgotten had always been able to feel it in there. In the daylight, I sometimes caught a foul whiff when I pulled out clothes. Mom blamed my sneakers. In the dark, even with the nightlight on, I felt the closet breathing. And now? 
My rubber door stopper still held the door. I could see its outline in the green liquidy light. I had my aluminum bat propped against my nightstand, my glass of water beside me, and a whole canister of Morton salt in the nightstand's top drawer. The light crawled closer. It had already cut off access to the light switch. My gut insisted I must not touch the light or let it touch me, that it was part of the danger. As I crouched on my mattress and opened my nightstand drawer, a long clawed finger, not human, curled under the closet door and began working the stopper loose. I grabbed the canister of salt and poured about a third of it into the untouched glass of water. Not once in six years had I drunk that nightly glass. It was not for me, had never been for me. I swirled the salt around, doing my best to mix it without making any noise, then grabbed the baseball bat. The monster made progress. The door jam slipped loose, and the closet door creaked open. I would only be hidden for another instant. Its silhouette passed the door's edge, and fear nearly paralyzed me. But I flung the salt water on it, heard the hiss and sizzle of its skin, and before it could recoil, jumped to the foot of my bed and laid into it with the bat swinging like a maniac. It collapsed, huge and horrible and bubbling, fanged and clawed and glaring, and died, and still bubbled until it was just a gooey green stain on my floor, which I cleaned up with the turd's towel. Let him explain that to Mom. How'd you sleep? the turd asked at breakfast. Fine, I said, handed him the nightlight. Hang on to this. You might need it. I like that. <laughs> and again, the, uh, the title of that story was Hand-Me-Downs. Yeah. And <clears throat> my concept for that story was that the nightlight wasn't just protection it was also the thing that handed down the monster to the next kid in the family ah okay i thought it was that you know like okay so the older brother that that can't be it because the the older brother didn't give her the nightlight until the monster had already scared her oh that's right shit yeah yeah maybe maybe that wasn't your original concept but that's what you were because it's amazing how our brains pick up different things every time we read it it might have just been that the monster was a hand-me-down, and when one kid killed it, it respawned. That's in what the I next thought. Kids. Yeah. See, that's what I was getting when you were reading it, and, and when I read it the second time, because the first time I just liked it. The second time I read it, I was like, oh, okay, so the older brother killed it, and then once it, once it showed up with her, he gave her his nightlight, and then she killed it. And I love how neither of them tell the other one how to do anything. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> It's it's so sibling esque, but the it, it um, is. <laughs> well, I like you and the, your brother spawned that story. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Although <laughs> honestly, if there was a monster, that's one of the things we would have bonded over instead. And you know, I I I've always been of the mind that nobody it, bullying my brother is a is a earned thing. It is a right of an older sister. It is, it is not a right of anyone else. It's, you know, that's why I always got very, very protective of him and very angry and got into a couple of fights over it. <laughs> it's like, 
you know what? Yeah, he's a weird little turd, but that's my weird little turd. You fucking don't bother my brother. Like, I can say whatever <laughs> I want, but who, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> Poor you guys kid, should man. see my mom's face. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but he's he gives just as good as, as he gets. So. He does now. No, he did then, too. He, you guys just never saw it. He was a little <laughs> shit, too. We were both little shits. But no, for the most part, he he's actually very nice and I'm very mean. <laughs> so anyway, the world building in this that I wanted to focus on, there were, you have um, standard clock bedtimes. So this gives you a sort of Western sieve, um, mm-hmm. modern day, um, the nightlight, uh, the, the siblings relationship by referring to the younger child as the turd. Yeah. Um, you understand who they are to each other. There's the, a little bit of culture in this too, is where the, the sibling culture, you know, uh, yeah. the family culture. Oh yeah. Well, you know, that's, there's a lot of culture. Well, there's, you know, there isn't a lot of culture, but there's always, you're always going to have culture and world building yeah. and characters. All of this stuff goes into there. It's just, it has to be small. Mm-hmm. Um, the plug-in nightlight is a bit of world building. It's It says, hey, you know, electricity is there. Um, the closet door, the, the toxic waste, the, the so that you're getting these visuals of gooey green claw coming out from under the door that's world building it there's doesn't... also there's also the um the back of the brain the primal knowledge that she has mm-hmm. the the primal knowledge not to touch the green light that is while it i don't really see it necessarily as a culture thing i see it more as a world thing because it is a species wide it is an entire worldwide thing like all animals have a primal knowledge of how to exist yeah. And that is a world building thing and she has it and it it's just like this ancient knowledge that we carry, you know, and to the next at least the ones that survive have the ancient knowledge. Yes. Yes, exactly. That there is a certain amount of shit that if you survive, part of that is is in the DNA and it goes on to the next the yeah. next generation. Yeah. Um yeah, the stinky sneakers, the aluminum bat. You know, aluminum bat gives you a time frame. Um, yeah, and the salt water, too, I feel like. Yeah, because of a canister of salt. You inst- If you're me, you instantly see Morton's. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just this cardboard thing of salt that you have hidden in your bedroom with your parents. It went missing because you swiped it out of the cabinet. Your parents said, why the, why the hell are we out of salt? And had to go yeah. get another one because you took one. Yeah, but they're it. not going to think their kid took a thing of salt. They're just going to think right. it's like the socks in the dryer. It's like, where the <laughs> does this shit go? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, again, it's it's very, very small world building. It's just tiny, tiny stuff stuck in there a word or two at a time as you're running through the action. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the action in this story, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, this one was, it was a lot of fun to write because you're writing this, you're writing your kids. Um, <laughs> and you're writing uh, a, a sibling conflict where um, there is there is a hand-me-down. There is a passing on of <laughs> sort of a torch and sort of a monster. Um you know what's funny though? It sounds more like that was Mark and Joe, and I was the older 
brother that wasn't really in the story. Yeah, that could have been too. I, I never specified the gender of the kid. Oh, that's, I thought she was a girl, but maybe that's just because that's me. Right. Yeah. Right. It's... And I, I didn't. I made no specification of the gender of the kid anywhere in that story because it wasn't relevant. It didn't matter. Yeah. No, I just meant like because Joe and Mark had this very antagonistic. They weirdly did. Yeah. It was yeah. It, it was hilarious to see like this 14-year-old boy and this three-year-old boy just. <laughs> and, and it was just constant. It they, they have a great relationship now. They're fantastic. They're uh -huh. they're what like best friends almost they or are. something yeah they are but, but back then a joe joe held a grudge for mark eating his piece of pizza for about 15 years yeah and, and that a, wasn't that wasn't the start they just they naturally i remember joe i would be holding him on my lap when he was like two and we'd be watching <laughs> something and mark would come in to the living room and he would tell him he didn't want him in the living room <laughs> Yeah, it was like watching dogs bristle at each other. Weirdly. Yeah. 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 Thank God they outgrew it. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, there is a lot of these little details of world building in there. that, that and, and there's also, it's important that a lot of, you can relate to a lot of the little things in the story. Um, you know, like the fear of the dark is another primal thing. And it's not the mm -hmm. fear of the dark, but it's the fear of what is going to happen in the dark. It's, right. it's the fear of, I love the fact though, that you put it even in the light, that no matter what time of day it was, that thing was just waiting. Mm -hmm. That yeah. was cool. It was in there. Yeah. That was, I think really pretty much the, the sibling rivalry was part of the world building too. Yeah. But that I think is, is pretty much everything that story has so let's move on to yours okay rough draft so this one doesn't really have a, a great name okay but i i can figure that one out like the last time um with what was called missing after i read it i realized the title uh and i changed it to things to do because that's even how the story ended um yeah. so well, this one is called Java Sakuna Jataka. 17-year-old Tanya Crocker stood, her lithe form covered by a thin white robe. Her soul stone, the Kom Radeya Peya Buzna, or Stone of Infinite Light, sat flush against her skin, warm. Mount Haluki sang. Katydids with their repetitive three-note and one-quarter rests setting the meter. Bats adding their chirps in both high and low octaves. The barred owl asking its eternal question, occasionally sharing a caterwaul laugh with a mate. She listened, finding each instrument's part of the melody. Nature's musicians expressed their solos, falling as the next crescendoed, their turn to play it fortissimo. She waited for the one she sought to speak to her. It called through the crystals, the message clear help. A guttural rumble started below a rapid clicking with a limited tonal range. Everyone in Fairplanes knows that sound. Fear began its own symphony within her heart. She was not a fan of the percussion section's choice, a speedy beat that made it hard to breathe. It wasn't a big thing calling, but it was a dangerous thing. 
this was what needed her? All life has a value, she whispered, desperate to remind herself. The stone warmed as the sound repeated. Its song was not a healthy one. There were whole rests. There should have been no more than a sixteenth. She turned to face the deep woods. It's dying. Bare feet were slow to tread over dirt, stone, and vegetation. Still, they led her forward. Her soul stone in her dominant hand, she lifted her left hand, palm away. I am a celepsi, Nayali, a heel. The wind carried her words forward into the dark. The sound of the beast returned, weaker. She had to hurry, despite dread thrumming its refrain through her, step by step. The gray body lay behind a bush, jaws of a rusted bear trap clamped to one foot. The unholy creature was dehydrated, dry patches covering skin. It was small, but even weak, it did not portray helplessness. A pale tongue, usually black, lolled over thin, sharp teeth. Slate eyes with vertical slits were baleful. Another anger lay there, too. At its impotence, at its own fear, it was unaware of its call. The soul stone burned against her skin. She had no time, but knew what it needed. Moving quickly, refusing to bow to her fear or question her sanity, she rolled her robe sleeve up her left arm, revealing vulnerable ebony flesh. The soul stone's heat was almost unbearable in her right hand. Breathing deep and muttering a, a prayer in Polly, she shoved her wrist forward. Slate eyes revealed shock, then ravenous hunger, the deep, penetrating sting of teeth, the flush of her body's response. I am saving your life. Please do not take mine. The creature let go just as concern began to overpower her. It stood, unsteady, and stared. Neither moved. It was considering... Would it attack? Attempt to take her life? She would not let it. It bent over. With nimble fingers, it pried apart the jaws of the trap. A lingering stare, and then it was gone. She had just saved the life of a Fair Plains vampire, and lived. She thought of a quote from a Buddhist scripture. From the ignoble hope not to obtain, the due requital of good service done. The wind once again carried her words to join the tune of the dark as her soul stone went cold. That's cool. Yeah. I know it's not your kind of philosophy in there. That's fine. Hey. That's <laughs> yeah. That's, I used to be a nurse. I, you know, I worked on people who were bad, bad people. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and saved them too. So that's just part of the job, man. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she, this, this wouldn't surprise me. So initially, if it, I, not very many people follow me on Instagram and that's fine. I, I don't, I don't need it, but I just wanted to mention it because I, I posted, um, this picture of these, uh, really, really creepy birds. I have a thing with birds, uh, you know, certain birds, they really creep me out. Chickens, um, I don't know why. I don't know why they, they freak me out. But the other day, I was sitting here working on the revisions, and I swear, it, no exaggeration, 30 creepy white birds just, they made these really, really <laughs> creepy sounds just in time for me to look up because I was like, what the fuck 
fuck is that? I looked up and like all of them just running across this one section of, of our yard. And I, I like froze and then I grabbed my camera and took a picture. And you guys can see like if you keep swiping on Instagram, you'll see Satan face. This, this thing, <laughs> dino bird Satan face is, it, it's just creepy. It's so angry. And it's, um, so I... I was kind of inspired, like I wanted to do something bird. So I looked up bird mythology, but I found the, uh, because I, I knew there was some birds in Buddhist, Buddhist stuff, mm-hmm. um, it was like Buddhist mythology. So I looked up kind of the birds, Buddhist mythology, and I figured if I was going to use that, I'll use Tanya, who is a Buddhist witch. She's, she is a witch in Fulton Hills, who is also a Buddhist. So the Javasakuna Jataka is uh, what I found, and it's funny because that story is is similar to an Aesop's fable, and we were talking about that last yeah. week. So it's basically the wolf and the crane, um, which is now more known as I think it's a mouse and a lion, where the lion has a thorn in its paw and the mouse takes it out yes yeah so the original like the aesops 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 i'm not sure i've yeah. heard it both ways and i don't know which one's considered correct yeah so i'll just say that with the fable it was originally a crane and a wolf and the wolf you know the the crane had to use its long neck and beak to get the a bone out of the throat and the it was really cool to see like all of these these corresponding stories but the buddhists had their own and it turned into this so i started this out with the idea of the creepy white birds and came out with something absolutely 100 percent not bird related except for the fact that there is that story there is that that fable that we you know we mentioned aesop's fable last week and and also there's the you know the buddhist story about helping this dangerous thing and then getting supposedly nothing in return except for the fact that you did something right you know right that's and that that is a very cool thing see that's that's the funny thing about writing fiction is that the idea is infrequently the the story that you end up with the idea is this generator it's this spawning thing it's like, like I said, the thing that I wrote yesterday, I started in knowing exactly where I was going, laughing my ass off, and it had changed by the end to the point where I was in tears. Yeah. And it was, it was noble tears. And, and I'm, I'm just going to note that uh, it was how Harlequin romances saved a world. That was in your, that's what you wrote? Yeah. Oh, that okay. was the thing. Oh, okay. That was, yeah. And, and by the time I saw how they had actually saved it, it I was in tears. That's crazy. It, was the, it had gone. It had gone from being this thing that I thought was just really funny to being something that totally moved me. Well, it's definitely unexpected. <laughs> it was for me, and I think it probably will be for the readers too. Yeah. Because yeah, it became just. It just became this magnificent thing that that. It, it, anyway, as <laughs> I'm talking about stuff, I don't want to even tip off there because that's no, no, definitely not. Um, yeah. So. When it comes to this story, yeah. the world building, like I wanted uh, all of the animals mentioned in there, it's that's so it, there is a familiarity to the world there. She's on a mountain 
Mount mm-hmm. Hibuke. Um, the names and dropping some of um, like the celepsy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a healing witch, and I had no idea that it had that name because that is most definitely not Noho or Yaktak Nuk. Yeah. Uh, verbiage. So I'm I'm interested to figure out where that name came from. Uh, but my muse was very very specific. Solipsy Nyale. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but then again, there is there is this world because as I'm describing this creature the sounds it makes and the fact that everybody in fair plains knows that sound why mm-hmm. why does everybody know this sound you know it's just there are all of these little things that go towards building that world that you're in like i also mentioned the dark and the woods and stuff like that so you get a general idea of the setting of the world mm-hmm. uh, i i will note that with the story you've got there it is not leaning towards being shorter it's leaning towards being a lot longer (laughs) yeah i was thinking that this um this is part of tanya when she lived in fair plains she i fucking adore tanya and if you guys read um the very first book i almost said the title i don't want to say the title yet Mm -hmm. um if you guys read the very first book she has a role in it um She's getting her own series because I just, I love her character. And, but this is her history. So she's not 17 in the book. She's a grown ass woman, but. Right. In this story, she is, she is just this kid in Fair Plains and. Oh, cool. So this is like her origin story, maybe. Yes. This, this, no, this is part of, because of a very, uh tumultuous relationship with her mother she left Fulton Hills and moved to the one place that she knew that her mother would not bother to to deign to come to because her mother is a very powerful crystal rich and Fair Plains is like 91% Christian okay so there is a very very heavy Christian faith there's a whole bunch of churches mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. So other religions are not as powerful. They don't feel as powerful and stuff like that. Other faiths, people of other faiths and stuff. So mm-hmm. they tend to stay where their religions are. You know, there's more of their people. Right. So she just went there because that's, you know. <laughs> but there's a lot. I'm getting, like, off topic, I know. But there is a lot <laughs> to this and i'm really really interested in this but i'm I'm hoping that i can make this one shorter yeah um well, yeah i can see that um i, I think just... the only things that you could probably cut out of that though mm-hmm. are are the foreign words you know maybe leave one in for just the flavor of it but uh in a story that short a lot of foreign words become an obstacle yeah, like the Komradea Peya Bosna. Um, yeah. That is the actual name of the stone. And as I was writing it, I was like, yeah, I don't really need to put that in here. I could just say Stone of Infinite Night. But it is a oh. no-ho stone. What? That's the advantage of first draft. You can put everything in first draft. Yes, yes. And this is already <laughs> cut. This is actually 567 words. But Ooh, you got pretty close. Yeah, I did. Yeah, especially <laughs> considering the fact that it was 800 by the time I was done. And it was almost bedtime. So I really had to figure out some 
<laughs> some some ways to cut it. Yeah. Um, I really like the the musical stuff. I didn't realize that she was so into music that she really, you know, and and knowing a lot of the the basic concepts behind music theory uh, means that she must play an instrument or just be really fascinated by by music, especially mm -hmm. like fortissimo and crescendoed and stuff like that. If 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 you're putting that towards the music and and sounds and everything, and she equates the sound of the animals to music then she must have had some kind of training or she loves classical music or mm -hmm. something uh so i wanted to leave that in because yeah. i felt it really gave her a voice well you get you get a, a twofer there because you get the world building and then you also get character building with the same world or with the you, same word rather the same, yeah that's true because if if her mind goes to music it's it's mm -hmm. a character thing so yeah yeah so that's you're you're getting double duty out of the same thing in there then and that's a good thing yeah um so i can cut like some of the but i i my muse is like you're not cutting celebsy nayali <laughs> <laughs> i guess like did it give you a feeling because again this is this is rough draft so was there anything in there for you that you would fix or have notes on? Um, no, basically shorten, uh, cut the number of foreign words you use because in a 500 word story, you've got, you've got room for one, one thing that is that different before it becomes an obstacle for the reader getting through the story. Yeah. And probably definitely not like in the very second sentence. Right. Yeah. Wiggle that into the middle somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and I think... I would have liked a little bit more of the description of the vampire. Um, just just okay. a little bit more detail of what she was looking at. Because I was seeing sort of a turtle thing. <laughs> that is very strange. Okay, so yeah, I could probably count, cut some of the part where the Mount Haluki was singing. You know, with mm -hmm. the Katie Dids and the bats and um, the barred owl and stuff. I can, I can kind of try to trim that. And maybe also make the action a little bit faster because that's something mm -hmm. also that you talk about in the flash fiction course, which again, there will be a link to this in the show notes. Um, but getting to the action of the story faster is important. Yep. So that's one thing I knew that I didn't get there as quickly as, as I could have. Yeah. But again, everything is fair game in first draft. Mm -hmm. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> My second story here is not published yet. Um, it is for my my second collection of flash fiction, which has been on hold because you know I'm doing other fiction right now, um, and, and you've I also just been have, writing courses. <laughs> and I've also been writing courses, and I haven't been, really been in a flash fictiony place. But I do love this story, and the premise behind the entire series is that there is a place in South Florida, Florida that is inhabited by illegal aliens, and I am using that phrase very specifically for creatures from outer space who have come in through the swamps mm -hmm. and have found their way into this one little section of Fort Lauderdale where it is just all aliens specifically who are not there legally and nobody, nobody would have allowed them in if they knew they were there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... This is A Hunger for Life. 
a cat eyed the dumpster behind Mangwal's indescribably delicious diner, yowled, and fled the alley. The crime tape had come down, the restaurant had reopened with the two surviving owners cleared of all charges, and for both the employees and the customers of Mangwal's, life had returned to some semblance of normal. With one tiny exception, a new sloppily painted sign hung on the dumpster's concrete enclosure. No bodies in dumpster, you assholes. Johnny Crook didn't have a dumpster of his own, but he did have a temporary trash overflow issue. Johnny Crook was the best field guy kids in crisis ever had. He befriended and rescued runaways, protected them from prostitution, drugs, gangs, and slave traffickers, and when home was safe, got them home to their parents. Johnny raised cash for the Kids in Crisis program by speaking to civic groups, corporations, churches, any place that invited him. He and his keynote presentations brought in millions over the years for KIK. The slideshows of what happened to kids who weren't rescued, a lot of them from police files, Johnny worked closely with the police, opened wallets like magic. But this thing really got donors excited about KIK's success. Most runaway programs had enormous failure rates because kids ran away from their programs just like they'd run away from home. Not KIK. Its success rate was an astronomical 92%. The KIK Foundation had pictures of Johnny all over its walls, shaking hands with the big guys and the big gals of city organizations, all of them handing him very large checks. Next week, Johnny was going to get to meet the President of the United States because of his success. Johnny couldn't wait. No one knew how hard Johnny worked to keep KIK's average high. The sacrifices he'd made in his personal life, in free time, in everything— He'd known those sacrifices would pay off. He cut the lights on his old El Camino, walked to the back, and swung up the hinged tonneau cover. Three large leaf bags, all sealed shut with duct tape, revealed the outlines of skinny male bodies. You will not ruin my 92% either, Johnny muttered. He'd already submitted the paperwork saying these boys were rehomed. He ignored the sign tossed the first body into the dumpster, and the dumpster spat it back out, whipped a steely arm around Johnny's waist and arms, lifted him into the air and popped him into its lid mouth. Screaming and crunching ensued. The alien was learning. Do not bite the hand that feeds you. He'd had to move after that mistake. Do not spit garbage on the street. Just hold it until pickup. Spitting a dead human out is acceptable. Eating the bringer of dead humans has no repercussions. Police said the murdered owner's unfaithful wife and her tasty lover had left the country. They had. From his current meal, he learned dumpster is spelled with a P. Its next sign would be better. I like that. Yeah, I so, really, I really like that story. <laughs> I do too. It was, it was how, did, how is a hero? 
how how can it how can a dumpster become a hero yeah. or how can an alien become a hero because he isn't really a dumpster he's an alien that has taken the form of a dumpster because he found that he gets the kind of food he wants if he just holds the trash for a while and uh, waits yeah um so with that the world building i was i was aiming for some very specific south florida fort lauderdale kinds of things uh, dumpster, a, you know, a Chinese restaurant with a funny name, um, the the sort of social stuff of, of people being, you know, enthused about stuff like a kids in crisis program and a place where it would be more a little bit more friendly towards runaways because it's warm, you know, if you're homeless, winter is warmer in South Florida than it is in... Um, you know, Nebraska, for example. Yeah. You still yeah. got to worry about over, overheating and because, and, oh, my God, the heat and dehydration. But oh. I, I didn't really get a necessarily a South Florida feeling from that one. But right. I did get the the city, you know, the, the you know, the, the city vibe from the Chinese restaurant and the dumpster and the fact that there's pickup and that there's these all of these uh, runaways. I mean, it definitely gives that vibe. Right. Right. So, and that is a very small world building kind of thing. But, um, again, you're kind of sneaking up on the perspective of the world through a guy dumping bodies in a dumpster and then having that backfire on him. Yeah. That is world building right there. There is a dumpster. There's a guy with a truck and a mission and three dead kids wrapped in plastic and uh and that just didn't work out the way he had intended yeah yeah i i i just I, you pack a lot into that 500 word story you know <laughs> yeah yeah I, I and i had fun writing it too because i love wiping out bad guys yeah <laughs> yeah so what is the is there anything else before the takeaway? Um, I don't really think so. I, I think we've gotten some nice demos in there. Okay. Um, well, before we get to the takeaway, I just wanted to let you guys know that, again, it, we have until October 1st to get your Halloween stories in. Um, the earlier you send these stories in, the better, because we have a chance to help you kind of... If there's anything that doesn't fit or if there's anything that doesn't work with the story, we can let you know and then you can fix it and send it back. Yeah. I'm going to ask, please read the rules because at this point I have had five stories that I have had to reject because they did not follow the rules. Specifically, um, three of them did not follow the um, 2020 rules because we do yeah. have two in there that are really really important we want to keep the halloween stories the same way that they've been every single year they can be dark they can be funny they can be spooky but i don't want them to be relevant to our times right now yes here here and that's a big deal that is something that we are heavily invested in right now yeah yeah we we, we get enough of the real world as it is right now we are all living in it. We're all facing these different things. And 
I want our Halloween episode to be an escape. I'm not saying that the stories aren't great, you know, to, like, I, I responded explaining my feelings on them. They were great stories, but they don't have a place on the Halloween episode. Right. Um, and I encourage anyone who's writing these stories to continue to make their own full compilation and publish it. It's, you know, this is not censorship as a whole. It, it's, it's trying to keep the theme and the idea behind the Halloween fiction. The Halloween fiction, flash fiction episode is, is a political it's, it's, it's not about this stuff. We so, do nothing yeah. like that. Yeah, so please go ahead, and I, I didn't even want to say it. That's why I just kept telling people to read the rules, but with so many people being affected emotionally and the impact that this year has had on so many of us, I realized I just have to, to let you guys know why I am pushing you to read the, the rules this year especially um, because this is not the place to share those stories, the, the fantastic wonderful stories write them get all of this stuff out that you want to say but this is not the platform to in which to use it yeah we are aiming for something timeless mm -hmm. with the stories that we are reading and current events for, for are never timeless so that's why why we want to to maintain the same feel that we have had with the two previous well, halloween episodes that might be your your goal with it but again, it's not mine. I, I I want this to be an escape. I want this to be fun. I want I mean, yeah, some of them are dark and spooky and scary and sad and but it's an escape. It's it's Halloween and <laughs> we can't escape this world. But if you're listening to a podcast full of a bunch of, of writers who, you know, created these amazing stories for Halloween, you can get away for a few minutes at a time. That's true. That's that's that is a very good other reason to do it. Yes. <laughs> Again, please, please go ahead and submit. If if it does come in on the first, and I have some time, and there's just a couple of small errors that you can absolutely fix, and you can get it to me by the second, I will make that that accommodation for people. But small errors is like small errors, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and we don't want to change any of your words or anything. So please, if, if you can, get them to me as soon as possible. And and we can go through and, and let you know what you need to fix or just accept it, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and the second is not the deadline for a first submission. <laughs> just, yeah, very no. important on that. No, the 1st of October is submission. If there are small errors that are an easy fix... I will send it back to you. So, Holly, what is today's takeaway? Stories, even very, very short stories, can be rich without being dense. So decide where and when your story takes place and then pick a handful of objects or images um, or locations to and, and a location, one location, because that's all you have room for in 500 words, and make sure your reader knows where and why the story takes place there. 
Okay, so that has been our episode on world building in short stories and flash fiction. I hope that this has helped. If you have any questions or your own tips or you want to share uh, a story that you feel you wrote with, with a lot of really good world building stuff or you want to share a story and need help, head into the forums at hollyswritingclasses.com. Our podcast forum is clearly labeled. Click on that. Go into this week's episode. And, you know, if, if you feel like sharing a story, you can. Or if you want some help, just ask for some people to read over your work. If you are submitting to the Halloween Flash Fiction, we have a Halloween thread in there, in the podcast forum, for people to... Um, ask for help for people to trade stories and you know kind of get some feedback before they submit it's a place to talk about the Halloween you know episode coming up and if you have any questions or concerns or anything it's a great place to ask because we also have people who have done this a few times and can help out there too so if you're lucky you can find somebody to trade with that has um a, a decent amount of experience within the flash fiction uh, writing yeah. area. Yeah. <laughs> and and I will just say right now, we have the best people on the internet in our forums. Yeah. That's, I, I, I love our guys, man. <laughs> so thank you guys very much for listening. We love you guys, and we will see you next week. Holly? Thank you so much. And uh, I have had a fun time doing the, this little series, and uh, I hope you have too. And just, just realize that this is entirely doable stuff. And starting short makes it so much easier to learn how to tell a story that hangs together. So uh, with that, just go right, kick ass, and uh, I hope we'll see you in the forums. Bye.